We'll begin again from the beginning of Eis Gimel. In your copies, it's on the page, and on the top of page Kuf Samach Dalid, right in the beginning of the page. If you're looking in the English, then it's on top of page 267. <clears throat> I sent out an English one also, yeah. Together with the Hebrew, I sent out a PDF also with English. It's it's. It, it, it's right after the Hebrew one, or right before the Hebrew one. I don't remember which one I sent first. You'll look on the WhatsApp. You'll see it over there. Okay. Okay. So on the beginning of page two sixty-seven, and the beginning of page Kof Samach Dalit, Ubir Ha'Inyan Ba'Vedas Adam. So this idea, the idea that we're about to explore. In this ice, and the truth is, even in the next ice, is an idea which we discussed already in the last class, um, but we're going to see it clearly um, specified over here in the Maimar. Ubir Inyan Bavedis Adam explaining this idea in our service of Hashem. Yuvam Behektam Hamavur Bedrushe Kvait Kedushis Marichami Kvait Kvait Kedushis Marichami Adma. We'll understand through first prefacing Hamavayer that which is explained Bedrushe in the Maimarim in the teachings of the Friedrich Rebbe. Dezasha Hayevanim Timu Es Hashmanim Shabeichal. This that the Yevanim that the Syrian Greeks made impure the Shmanim the oil on the Heichal the oil which was used. In the service in the Beis Hamikdash, in the lighting of the menorah specifically, but they went ahead and they made, they defiled this oil, and the reason was not just again to wreak general havoc, but there was a specific intention in that which they did. Who and that was this is a pivotal idea with regard to the Yom Tev of Hanukkah, that the war, the battle of the Syrian Greeks was a spiritual battle. The Syrian Greeks were opposed to the Neshamis, the souls of the Jews. And this is in contrast to Purim, where Haman wanted to destroy us. He wanted to push our physical existence into the sea when it came to the Yivanim, to the Syrian Greeks they didn't have a problem with us per se they loved Jews, some of their best friends were Jews but despite that they wanted to obliterate Judaism that they didn't like their objective was not specifically to harm the physical bodies of the Jews. Ella, rather, their primary desire was This is a quote again from the Al Hanisim that they wanted Lahashkicham to cause us to forget Teirasecha, the Teirah, Ulahaviram, and cause us to transgress Chukei Ritzeinecha mitzvahs. Vigam Bozeh Gufa, and this itself that they wanted us to forget Teirah and mitzvahs. Bozeh Shalachamu Neged HaTeirah Umitzvahs, in this that they fought, that they battled against Teirah and mitzvahs. Iker Melchamtam. Their primary battle, Haisanegad Haruchnias Valaikus, the Tayo Mitzvis. As I told you last time, 
they didn't have so much of a problem with the culture of Torah and mitzvahs. Culture is something which they appreciated because culture has a certain beauty which is able to be tangible, which you're able to look at and understand and analyze. And anything that is within the grasp of intellect or emotions was something which the Yevonim liked. They appreciated beauty. They invented beauty. Yaft, elikim, liyafes. Beauty is something which came from them, which originated from them. Vigam gufa again. In this itself, When they fought against her and mitzvahs, Iker Melchamtam was not against the culture, but rather neged haruchnius, the spirituality, the alikus, the godliness of her and mitzvahs. That's what bothered them. Because godliness is something which is beyond our grasp. God is infinite. And the Syrian Greeks said, if God is infinite, who cares about him? That's what their taina was. If God is infinite, if he's beyond us, then we have no connection to him, and he has no connection to us. We have no relationship we have no purpose of interacting. Our interaction is with gods that we can appreciate. There's a god of vengeance. Everybody knows what vengeance feels like, right? There's a god of love. There's a god of... of war. war. Whatever, every single type of god the Syrian Greeks had. Why? Because they worshipped ourselves and everything about ourselves so they isolated it and made it into a god but when we're speaking about Hashem when we're speaking about Ruchnius when we're speaking about Alekos that was something which was completely beyond their ability to be able to appreciate and therefore they said what connection can we possibly have to such a thing right they're Complaint makes sense, are you? What? No? You don't agree with them. I agree. We shouldn't agree with them. We have to understand why. Even the Zehu. Say, um, even more, I'm actually having a hard time. Why are you going even caring what we do? Why can't they just mind their own business? We threaten them. What? We threaten them. By, by worshipping an Abishter, which is beyond the world, we threaten their existence. If we would just worship a God, which is within their their um, framework, so then we have our God, they have their God, and we could each live happily ever after. But the fact that we worship a God which is completely beyond what they can relate to creates a threat for them. They can't tolerate that there should exist a people who have something which is outside of existence. This is why the Gaim hate the Jews so much consistently throughout our history. 
this huge question, why is it that the Jews are... Can you repeat that? I'm sorry, can you repeat that last sentence? Why are the Jews always persecuted? Why can't the Jews be left alone just like everybody else is? We have our religion, they have their religion, and leave us alone. The reason why is because the approach that a Jew has, that it's possible to bring the divine, the supernatural, godliness, spirituality, into Torah, into mitzvahs, and not only that, into our physical lives, into our homes, into our everything that we do, our sleep, our eating, our dressing, everything that we do is connected to godliness. This is something that they can't tolerate because this threatens their existence. Their existence is built on their borders, on what they relate to, and when they see us taking those borders and saying, they don't matter, we're able to connect to something higher, that's something which it, it, they can't tolerate, us being in their midst. So again, it's not our Torah and our mitzvahs that they have a problem with. They have a problem that we say that it's Torah secha and chukei that it's Hashem's Torah. They say, you're sitting down. You're studying Gemara. We love that. We also study philosophy. We have some of the greater, greatest philosophers come to our schools. Here's Plato who's teaching. Here's Aristotle. Come sit down. Let's study together. That's their approach. That's what they tell us. And we say, no, you don't understand. Plato and Aristotle, they're good. They're fine. They have their theories. But it's not Torah. Because our Torah is Torah Secha. Our Torah is God's Torah. Our Torah is beyond human grasp. It's beyond human comprehension. Of course we're supposed to study it to the best of our ability. But the essence of the Torah that we study is something that we cannot touch. And that's something that frustrates them to no end. And it threatens their very reality their very ability to be able to interact with existence. And the Maimir says, this is the meaning of that they wanted us to forget your Torah. And the same thing when it comes to mitzvahs. What bothers them about mitzvahs is not the mitzvahs themselves. They say the idea of shaking a lulav and esrig, it's a beautiful thing. But if you're doing it because Hashem said to do it, that's something we can't relate to. To blow a shofar, to sound the ram's horn, to rally the troops, we can relate to that. But if you're blowing the shofar because Hashem said to do it, that's something we can't tolerate. Shegam lahayivanim, also for the Syrian Greeks, ichpas, they would not care kol kach so much. That the Jews should study Torah. What they wanted is that the study of Torah should be only because of the intellect that's inside of Torah. Because there is brilliant 
ideas, philosophy, analysis, law, culture. There's so much inside of Torah. You learn through a tractate of Gemara. Choose your tractate. It's filled, it's packed with so many different angles, with so many different types of study, with so many interesting, fascinating subjects. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. The Syrian Greeks said, let's study Gemara together. And I'm going to have my opinion, and the Gemara will have its opinion, and I could say this answer of the Gemara makes no sense. By a Yid who's studying Torah, if somebody says a, 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 a statement like that, this makes no sense, immediately his siren goes off. The Torah makes sense. The Torah makes the ultimate sense. I don't understand it. That's where a Jew approaches Torah. Because a Jew recognizes that Torah is Torah secha, and Torah is the bottom line. I have to fit myself into Torah, not the Torah into me. But the Ivanim didn't like that. They said, we'll have art, we'll have study, we'll have everything. But it all has to be within our ability to be able to relate to. As long as the Torah is only with regard to the seichel, the intellect of Torah, because it's your wisdom and your understanding in the eyes of the nations, then the Yivanim were good with it. Their entire battle, Haysa, was primarily Shabikshu, that they wanted to cause to forget as Yisrael for a Jew, that the Torah is the Torah of Hashem, and similarly with mitzvahs, the battle of the Greeks was against the godliness inside of mitzvahs. That, that mitzvahs are their Hashem's will. This is that which we say in the Alanisim Lahaviram to cause us to transgress the Chukim of Hashem's Ratzin. And there's two Diukim over here this time. There's the word Chukai and there's the word Ritzainacha. And the Mimer explains the Shnei Perushim Bazah. There are two explanations in this. First of all, we have to remember that there are three categories of mitzvahs. You're familiar with the three categories of mitzvahs, right? Yeah. What are they? Chukim, Mishpatim, and Eidis. Eidis, Chukim, and Mishpatim. What are Mishpatim? Mishpatim are logical mitzvahs. What are logical mitzvahs? Shafilu lay nitna teira. Even if the Torah had not been given, we would have been able to learn the laws of ownership, of not stealing something which doesn't belong to me from an ant. I'm sure you know that an ant never touches something that its friend touched. 
If an ant touched a crumb and then walked away, no other ant will ever touch it. Really? Yes. They won't steal something that already belongs to their friend. Only from the same colony? I don't know. But we would have learned the laws, the concept that you're not supposed to steal from an ant. And sneers, we would learn from a chatul. The laws of modesty, we would learn from a cat. The modesty of a cat. Are you a cat person, Ben? No. What? Yeah? Dead cat. is a dog person, we know that. So, we would have learned the laws of modesty. From a cat, from the modesty of a cat. Parrots, are you with us? In other words, mishpatim are mitzvahs which make sense. They're logical and they fit into societal norms. Then there's mitzvahs which are edis. What are edis? Testimonials. testimonials. What are testimonials? So anything that is symbolic. Like, for example, the first place a husband and wife meet becomes a symbolic place to them. They go back to that place and it awakens Ahavas Nurisayek. It awakens in them the emotions that they first felt when they first went to this place. The first song that they heard together. Things like that. They, they, they take on a certain symbolic meaning between the husband and wife. And that's a beautiful thing. That's anything Anyone can relate to such an idea. In other words, there isn't an intrinsic logic to this place or this song. There isn't an intrinsic logic to this specific symbolism. However, when put into context, it has a most beautiful logic. That's the concept of Eides. So for example, a mitzvah like a mitzvah like Pesach. So Pesach, we eat matzah and we, sh- we, we sh- don't shake the little Vanessa on Pesach, right? <laughs> we eat matzah, we stay away from chametz, the seder, all of these things, they're so symbolic, they're so beautiful, they have so much meaning to them. Again, there isn't an intrinsic logic to them, but there's a beautiful symbolism to them. Then there are mitzvahs called chukim. What are the mitzvahs called chukim? They make no sense. For example, parrots, could you give me an example of a chayk? <laughs> what? Something that Shem said, could give me an example of such a mitzvah, good. What? Tefillin is edus actually. Yes. Tefillin is symbolic. Shatnes. Shatnes is something which, uh, at least on a basic level, it doesn't make sense. Kosher could be a law like that. The laws of Tumantaira. These are things that don't make sense. There is no direct logic to them. These are the things that. As it says in Rashi, the they make fun of us. They, they, they tease us. They say, what kind of ridiculous things are you doing? Because it, re- it represents the subjugation of our mind and our heart to Hashem. That's symbolic. It has a beautiful symbolism to it. 
Never mind that it's Jewish blood pressure. Um, Jewish no, there's actually studies that show that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you asking what happened? Oh, yeah. 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 Do the Yuvanim specifically have trouble with? Why Chukim? Because it makes no sense. So that's one explanation. Let's see this inside. Shall a mitzvah the Edis and Mishpatim and the mitzvahs of Edis and Mishpatim lihiyosam mitzvahs sichlies? Since they are intellectual mitzvahs, hiskimu gam hayivanim. With those, the Yuvanim, the Greeks, Syrian Greeks also are good with. Hiskimu, they agree with. They're maskim. They say, we're okay with you doing logical mitzvahs. The Greeks, or the continuation of the Greeks, the Romans, they set up the court system, the legal system, which many parts of it have lasted until today. They're okay with the mishpatim. And the Edish, of course the Greeks are okay with. That's part of the Yaftalikim Liyafetz. That's part of the beauty of the culture which we've spoken about. So the Chol Milchamtam, their entire battle, was against the mitzvahs of Chukim. The Chukim that the Syrian Greeks can't tolerate. Because they don't make sense, Mikivan since Sha'ifan Kiyumam, the way that we fulfill them, Hurak Mipne Shahim Ratsain Havaya, is only because they are the Ratsain, the desire of Hashem. That they have a problem with. So they have a problem with Chuke Ritsainacha. The fact that the Chukim are only because of the Ratsain. Upeirush Bez Ba'imikyesa. A second explanation. On an even deeper level, the truth is that exists in all of the mitzvahs. Every single mitzvah that a Jew does, he does because it's chukeritzaynacha. This is a deeper level. Even when we blow shafer, blowing shafer is. An Ada. An Ada. Even when we um, don't steal. Do, not stealing is? Ada. No. A mishpat. It's a mishpat. So even when we do mitzvahs that are in the category of Edas and mishpatim, why do we do them? We do them because Hashem said. And that's why we find that there are certain times where stealing would be the logical response. But a Jew still doesn't steal. Because that's what Hashem told him to do. We find that there are certain times that there isn't this beauty and this appreciation in the Edes. And nevertheless, a Jew does it anyways. You have the stories of Jews who are in the most perverse circumstances. In the camps, in the gulags, in the fires of the Inquisition. 
and so on and so forth throughout our history. And yet they are fulfilling mitzvahs. Not because of the beauty that the mitzvahs have, because in this circumstance it's difficult to find beauty in them. But because that's what Hashem wants and the neshama of a yid wants to be connected to Hashem no matter what. This is the idea of Edes and Mishpatim that we're doing them also with a level of Chayk. Let's read this inside. The second explanation on a deeper level. This that the Syrian Greeks wanted to cause us to transgress Hashem's mitzvahs. Who bechal hamitzvahs is in all of the mitzvahs. Gamba mitzvahs to Edes to Mishvatim, even in the mitzvahs of Edes and Mishvatim. And not only that, the Rebbe says in Asicha that the Syrian Greeks wouldn't have even minded the chukim. Even the chukim, they would have been okay with. You know why? Because they understand logically that we don't understand everything. That, Aryeh, is a logical conclusion that we don't understand everything. My cousin used to come speak in yeshiva here. So one time he said... He said, thank God we don't understand God. Because what kind of God would it be if it would be someone who we understood? Imagine God was just another president or another prime minister. Filled with all of our vices. What kind of God would that be? We don't want a God that we could understand. We all know that there are things that are beyond our understanding, things we don't get, things we don't appreciate, and that are better for us than those things that we do after all. Sometimes we'll lie down with Bittal in front of a doctor and let the doctor do whatever he needs to do in order to save our lives, even if it makes no sense to us. And we would do the same on many levels in many situations. We recognize that there are things that are beyond our understanding. But when the Yevanim were ready to accept Chukim, it's only because we understand that there are things that we shouldn't understand. But the connection of a Yid to Torah and Mitzvahs is much deeper than that. The connection of a Yid to Torah and Mitzvahs is not because we understand that we don't understand it's because we have a certain essential connection that runs contrary to all understanding. That it doesn't begin to make sense even on a nonsensical level. The classic example for this is Akedas Yitzchak. Go explain Akedas Yitzchak. Understand Akedas Yitzchak on any level on any level, that Hashem commanded Avraham to put his son Yitzchak on a mezbeach. Wait, the Greeks and Romans believed in making human sacrifices Correct. loved ones to their gods. Correct. Yeah, that, that's what made and that's something, that's something that Avraham Avinu fought against with every fiber of his being. He fought against throughout his entire life. 
He said no God would ever want a human sacrifice. It's something which is disgusting, it's something which is an abomination, it's something which you, you can't even think about. And then Hashem tells Avram, Kachnas ben Chazichid Chazra Avtis Yitzchak, Take your son and put him on the Mizbeach as a Eila sacrifice. It, it just doesn't make any sense. On every level of Avram's intellect and emotions, every part of his being, every connection of his to this God, which is greater than the world, which he discovered and he taught everyone in the world about a God of justice, a God of kindness, and a God of greatness. Greatness which is beyond our understanding. But a God who would never tell us to have a human sacrifice. And now he told Avram to take his only child and to make him a carbon. But then he was just joking. He wasn't. He wasn't because we just learned that in fact when, Hashem, when Avram put Yitzhak on the Mizbech, his neshama left his body. Uh, yeah. It was something which happened, which took place. It was a reality. What happened? What happened was the foundation of Klal Yisrael. The foundation of Klal Yisrael is ones who are connected to the Eibishter beyond any possible logical ability to comprehend. And that's something which the Yivanim couldn't tolerate. Even though the Yivanim did plenty of things which were illogical, but they only did things which were illogical when they found meaning to it, when they found beauty to it, when they found a relationship to it. But if they could not relate to it, then the Yivanim said this is something which has no foundation in our lives, in our existence as human beings. And the Jews rejected that with their very existence. The Jews rejected that with and and this is what the Yivanim fought against. The sacrifice, the Mesiris Nefesh, that we have throughout history is all founded on the Aveda which Avraham Avinu did by the Akeda. The ability to be able to connect to Hashem beyond our understanding is because Avraham Avinu connected to Hashem in such a way by Akeda Yitzchak, that's why we're able to have sacrifice, self-sacrifice throughout all the generations, including the situations which you're discussing, where people had to sacrifice themselves for the Eibishter, which so many millions of Jews did throughout our history. And that sacrifice is a reflection of this depth of connection that a Jew has to Hashem. And don't forget, Plato also sacrificed himself for his philosophy. Right? He was killed, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he discovered a shaman and got killed for it. Oh, there was something. Aristotle. But that? Uh, not Aristotle, no. Pretty sure? Pretty sure. I thought it was Aristotle also. Okay, whoever could do research, you don't have to. But they also were ready to sacrifice themselves for their philosophy, but it's a different type of sacrifice. There's a sacrifice for something that you believe in which is a sacrifice for yourself. And then there's a sacrifice for something which you don't believe in, which is a sacrifice which is beyond yourself. We believe in Hashem too. We do. But we don't believe in Akeda. In other words, there's a sacrifice which goes inside of my definition of myself and there's a sacrifice which goes outside of my definition of myself. And the truest sacrifice is a sacrifice which breaks my definitions, not a sacrifice which enhances or underlines my definitions. Um, if his soul left his body, then why did God tell Alfred to stop? His soul was brought back into his body. It was right away returned. He had, like I said on Shabbos, he had an out-of-body experience. Okay? Okay, we'll stop over here for today. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow, Reza Sashem.